Look at the person sit beside you and say, I'm glad you're here today. Tell them, say, I'm glad you are here today. That's good. It's good to be here. We are one church in three locations. We have one in Ashland and Grayson. I'm telling you what, and God is doing something so amazing in our area. Thank you guys so much for partnering with us and being uh, with us today as well. And last Sunday, obviously, was an amazing Sunday. We had a, an online service at Church at Home, but we had Summerfest. Uh, for some of you know that barbecue and boom and baptism for the previous year. And last, last Sunday night at Summerfest, we opened up right to the community, asked people to come out, had food trucks and stuff. A lot of you guys were here. And our Ashland campus, we had over 100 people show up and one person baptized. At our Grayson campus, we had a couple hundred people, over a couple hundred people show up. And here at our Moray campus, over 700 people and 14 people baptized last Sunday night, man. Come on. Like, let's go. Like, that is awesome. And so my family, we went here, we didn't get experience the last two years because we was on our annual trip. And for the last eight years, I've gone down to Panama City Beach, Florida and preached at a beach camp called 1451. I'm representing them today, their camp, 1451, which stands for one week for the next 51 weeks. And so I've been hanging out with middle school and high school students all week long. It's been so fun. Normally I don't preach the Sunday after because I've been preaching every night this week and I came in late like on Friday night at 1.30. I didn't go to bed at 3.45 because I stopped by Bucky's and got me some coffee. Like, come on. Like, let's go. Like, Bucky's is the most redneck gas station you've ever seen in your entire life. It's like Walmart and a gas station had a baby. Boom, Bucky's, right? I mean, it's crazy. You could buy deer feeders. Come on, man. Like, what? And barbecue sandwiches and get your gas at the same time. So we got to experience Bucky's three times on this trip, but it was our first experience, and it was great. But, but anyway, it's been so good hanging out with a bunch of middle school and high school students at this camp. And again, it's our eighth year doing it. As I saw my kids grow up at this camp, and uh, it's been such a blast to do that. And in fact, you know, when I was preparing a couple months ago to preach this Sunday, I, I wanted to wait and preach this after camp was over. So that's why I said, I'm going I'm I'm to come in. And no, I don't, I don't have any coffee, but man, I'm running on fumes, but it's going to be awesome because I want to share with you uh, a little bit what God was stirring in my heart. And so I really have two audience I want to speak to today. If you're a college student, a middle school student, a high school student, and you're a student, I want to speak to you. I've got a message just for you I want to share with you today. And then everybody else who still wishes you were a college student or feel like you're young in the next generation, I want to speak to you. So do you know what that means, right? That's two sermons and 32 minutes and 26 seconds. You better pray for your boy, okay? You better pray for me. Because I really, want, I really think if we can get this down, we can change the world. I really believe this with everything within me. At our first service, we had GSP students here at our Moorhead campus, and tons and tons of students off college campus, of the GSP student students, came in and packed the place out. And so uh, the Lord knew that I was going to be preaching this at that time, brought a bunch of young people here. And I just want to, I want it to sink into our heart because I'm telling you what, if we can get this, it can really change the world. And so I really have one thing I want to share with you to the students, really two words here, is that if you think about this, the enemy don't want you to know this, but you matter. You matter. Every college student, high school student, middle school, you're watching one of our campuses, you're watching online, listen to me, you matter. You matter to God because God has put worth in you, put a purpose in you, put destiny in you, and you matter because he wants you to accomplish something great in your life. And here's what I know. The enemy fears you. The enemy is afraid of young generation. He's afraid of the young generation. And I'm going to tell you why I believe that he's afraid of the young generation. Because if you'll go study church history, and you'll flip through church history and just read about all the great awakenings, 
all the great revivals that have swept continents and, and swept cities and, and lands and, and schools, if you'll go back and read about all the great revivals, every single one of them started with young people. A bunch of teenagers who got together and repented of their sin and said, we're gonna live a holy life before God and God used that to spark revival on college campuses, across our nation, across England. We could go on and across the world. It all started when a bunch of young people would turn to God, live for him, and God used that for some way and sparked revival out of young people. And I believe that the enemy knows that and he's afraid and he fears the next generation. He fears young people because he knows that's how God in church history, at least for that we have recorded, that God has used to birth revival to break out all over this land and all over this world. And there could be no revival without repentance. Without any repentance, there's no revival. So when these young people, teenagers, got before God and said, God, we repent, we're gonna live a holy life, and we're gonna live for you, God has used that, used that to change they're alive, and on that to change the world. And so really I have three things I wanna share with you. If you're a college student, if you're a middle school, high school student, and you're a student and you think you still wanna be a student, this is for you too, right? I have three things I really wanna share with you, and then I wanna share some things for those of us who are not students and what we could do about it. So here's the first point I wanna make if you're a young folk and you're taking notes, I want you to write this down as this, that God created me. I want you to get this down in your heart, your spirit, and your soul is that God created you. God had a purpose just for you, specific for you, that God created you. In fact, I love this word, I love this. Before the foundation of the earth, before God flung the stars into the universe, he thought of you, he knew you, and he created you. In Psalms 139, the Bible tells us this, that you created my innermost being. That even when I was substance in my mom's womb, you created me. Watch this. You knit me together in my mom's womb. Every one of us, ready for this? You're custom made. There is no one like you. There will never be anyone else like you. No one has your, your DNA, your fingerprint, your voice print. We could go on and on and on. So listen to me, ladies. You literally can say, I am one out of seven billion, because you are. You are one out of seven billion people. There will never be anybody just like you. Why? Because God custom made you in your mother's womb. And I'm so thankful that even our highest court sided with life to see this, to believe that there is no accident, that what we may think as an accident, one of my great friends, his mom, was, she was pregnant when she was 15, she was raped, and she decided to have a, not have an abortion, but she decided to have an adoption and give her son for adoption. He never met his real mom, and today God has used him literally to preach and over 300,000 people have come to faith in Christ through this young man's preaching. He's going to be here actually in September. I'm really excited about it to share his story. But I'm telling you, listen, what we may think there's a mistake, there's no oops with God. God knows. He, he's sovereign. He has planned this out. You are custom made. And in your mom's womb, why you were substance, he knitted you together. He knew every freckle and where they would be. He picked your skin color. He picked your nationality. He picked your hair color. He know if you get a little bit more of your dad features or your mom features. He custom made you to be you. And God never makes a mistake. And he chose, so we see this, before the foundation of the world, God knew you. Before you even knew him. I love Ephesians 2, says we are God's masterpiece. We are his masterpiece that he has made us in his image. Here's the second thing, young people, I want you to write down is this, that God picked me. I want you to know that God picked you. 
that God picked you. In John 15, verse 16, it says, you did not choose me. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to do what? That you would go and bear fruit, that you would bear fruit that will last. That God picked you, why? Because he has a purpose for you. And he wants you to use that purpose to advance the kingdom of God. Acts 13, I love this verse, it says this. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, that he died. Listen to me, that means this. If you still have breath, you still have a purpose. God wants to use you, and I don't care how old you are and how gray your hair may be or as young as you are. If you woke up this morning and God put breath in your lungs and you came and praised him and sung to him today, that's because God has a purpose for you to fulfill. And the moment you fulfill your, your purpose, the moment you breathe your last breath, God says, then you'll fall asleep and I will take you home. So if you're here and you woke up, you get a second chance. You get a do-over. And God wants to do something great in your life. Every single body on the planet that I believe personally has two purposes. Well, let me go back. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, we already know what your purpose is. We already know what your purpose is, one of your purpose, and that is to go to make disciples. Every single one of us, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, you're a school teacher, you're a doctor, you're a professor, you're a pipe fitter, you're an electrician, doesn't even matter. You make disciples. Every one of us have been ordained by God called by God to make disciples. That's not just for staff, pastors, or missionaries. That's for you. Every one of us who follow Jesus as a Lord and Savior. But then, he has a unique specific purpose that only you could fulfill. That's why God picked you. That's why you were born. On April the 26th, 1977, God says, I'm gonna drop Daniel Lucas in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. I'm gonna put him right now in this generation at this time. Why? Because I have a unique, specific purpose that only he can do. And when you know, when you get that, understand that, I'm telling you, it changed your life. Here's the sad thing. Most people go to their grave, they have no idea why God put them here. They have no idea what their purpose is. They thought it was the degree. They thought it was the accolades. They thought it was retirement. They thought it was achievements. And God's like, listen, my purpose for you is bigger than your paycheck. So I was like, I understand that. No, you understand that, right? It's way bigger than that. I have a unique, specific purpose for you. I chose you, and I want you to live that out. So listen to me, especially young people. Right now, you don't have to wait. Well, someday when I graduate college and someday when I get married and someday when I have kids, then I'll figure out what I'm gonna do in my life. You can figure your purpose now. Ask God. God, you created me. You picked me for a reason. What is it that you want to do in my life? And I'm telling you what, God wants you to fulfill it because he has put destiny in you. He has put purpose in you. And I believe there are people waiting for you to step up and be what God's called you to be. You don't have to wait till you graduate, till you get older. You can do that now. Why? Because the world needs you. Why not you? Who else? Who else are going to reach your friends? I can't go back into your school system and reach your friends. I can't go back there. God puts you there in this generation for you to make a difference. And so we want you to, to make that difference and fulfill the purpose that God has for you. Here's the point I'm trying to make. You are not the church of tomorrow. You are the church of today, right now. Tomorrow is not your time. Today is your time. And I want you to get that and grasp that because here's the reality. Without young people, the church is dead. You show me a church that has no young people in it and I'll show you a church that's dying and they will die. They will die. You show me a church with young people, I'm gonna show you a church that's gonna be flourishing, that God's gonna be up to something. That's why we gotta always fight for the next generation. We've gotta always figure that out. We've gotta always press forward and do whatever it takes to reach the next generation. 
We gotta do it. We have to fulfill that. And then here's the third, if you're writing this down in a middle school, high school student, college student, I want you to write this down, is this, that God loves me. God picked you, he chose you, watch this, and he loves you. God's not mad at you, he's mad about you. He wants a relationship with you, he pursues you. John 3, 16, come on, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes it will not perish, but have eternal life. Listen, I love personalize that. Put your name in it. For God so loved Daniel that he gave his only son, that if I will just believe in him, that Daniel will experience eternal life. That God loves you. When's the last time you've heard that God loves you? Do you believe it? The question is, will you receive it? That he loves you. I love John 10, 10. It's our theme verse. It's our verse of our church. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, I've come that you can have a more life, a real life, a better life than you've ever dreamed of. And what the enemy wants to do to young people, he wants to take that verse and he wants to twist it. He says, if you follow Jesus, you'll have no fun in your life. The opposite is true. If you'll follow Jesus, you'll fulfill your life. Your life will be fulfilled if you'll just pursue him and follow after him. So why does this matter? Why does this matter? Young people, I want you to know that God created you. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. God picked you. He put you in your family, your skin color, your nationality. He picked everything about you. Why? At the same time in your generation when you were to be born, my daughter asked me this yesterday or the day before yesterday. I can't remember if it was yesterday or the day before. I'm still living on, not sleep at all, so just hang tight with me. But, but she's like, she goes, who picks your birthday? She's seven. She goes, who picks your birthday? And I said, God does, honey. God picks the day that you're born. Well, what makes your birthday? The day you came out of your mommy's tummy, the day that's your birthday, that God birthed the day, that's your birthday. She goes, oh, okay. I was gonna say, just go talk to your mom about it. Like, go ask your mom about all that stuff. Like, like talk to her. And I want you to know this. You're not a mistake. He picked you, he created you, and watch this. He loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And I want every young person, every student in this place to please don't leave here without understanding that he picked you, he created you, and that he loves you. Now, for the rest of us, what do we do about that? If we know that when the greatest, all the great movements, I mean, all the great movements of God begun with young people and revivals broke the land, and I'm telling you what, we need revival in our land more than ever. Knowing that, what should we do about that? What are some things for us to do when it comes to reaching the next generation, when it comes to believing and going after the next generation? Here's the first thing, let me speak to all the adults in the house, is this, we've gotta stop doubting them and start believing in them. We have to stop doubting the next generation and start believing in the next generation. And man, if I hear it all over the place, everybody's talking about the next generation, about the wokeness that's taking place, about all the colleges wanting to indoctrinate them into the world and, and be part of the world and trying to pull them out of the world. We've got to stop doubting and start believing. I know the Bible says things will get worse before they get better. I understand it, but we are men and women of God and faith and believing that hope and the best is yet to come. And so instead of doubting the future, we're going to start believing that God's going to do something great in their life and we're gonna to begin to speak this over them. And I'm telling you what, I'm telling you, if we can do this, the church is gonna be different, everything's gonna be different, but we gotta stop doubting and start believing in them, which means to my second point, how do we do that? We gotta stop criticizing and start cheering them. We have to stop criticizing this generation and begin to cheer them on. Critics put people down and they think that they'll never mount anything. 
but cheering them and encourages them when we share their experience. Listen, the Bible is very clear that out of your mouth comes life or death. Let's stop speaking death over the next generation and let's start speaking life into the next generation. We have the power to do that. And so come on, adults, we gotta, we, gotta, we gotta be part of this. And so I know we wanna talk so we wanna slam the next generation, but I'm telling you what, they need us to begin to be able to pour into their life and stop doubting them and stop criticizing them, but start, watch this, speaking into their life, cheering them on and believing in them. Because listen, I'm telling you what, they have the potential to change the world. They have the potential to do it. They have the energy, they have the vision. So listen to me, young people. I know you have all the passion, the new ideas and the energy and the new vision to see things. But let me tell you what adults have. We have wisdom. And when we have battle marks and we've been through things. But I'm telling you what, if we will partner together with the next generation and we'll take their energy, their passion, their vision, their ideas, partner with our wisdom and understanding of how things work and we come together, we can change the world. So let's not be a church that criticizes the next generation. Let's cheer them on. Let's stop doubting that it's over and let's start believing that there's the best is yet to come in their life and in our church. And for that to happen, for that to happen, really, this sort of third thing is this, we gotta stop lecturing them and we gotta start loving them. We gotta stop lecturing them and we gotta start loving on them. Lecturing says things like this. Well, that's not how we did it. That's not how you do it. That's lecturing. That's your, that's your opinion. And let me tell you what this young generation needs more than anything. They don't need our preference. They need our presence. They need us to be present with them. Everyone has a preference, right? Things are gonna happen. Things are gonna change. It's okay. We don't even, and the next generation, they're gonna do church different than we do church. Listen, we do church different if you're in 40s and 50s and but than the way you did church, right? I mean, come on. I mean, we, I mean, we do church and it's okay. It's gonna be okay. I mean, literally, it's okay. Like, oh my gosh, the pastor wears jeans. They got this holy fog that goes around and lights and, and drums. We've been doing that for 15 years, and guess what? Over 3,000 people have come to faith in Christ. <laughs> Listen, it may be different. It may not be your preference, but we didn't change the Bible. We didn't change theology, right? You never change the gospel. The gospel can't be changed. Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. He died. He was buried. He got up out of the grave. And because he lives, you can live. That never changes. But we got to do whatever it takes to reach the next generation. And whatever that means, we are going to fight to reach the next generation because we'll be handing the mantle over to them and we're hoping and praying that God uses them to spark revival. So we're going to cheer them on. We're going to believe in them. And we're not going to lecture them. We're going to love them. And for us to love them, which means this, watch this. You have to humble yourself and listen. If you love someone, you listen. There's some good marriage advice in that. If we're gonna love them, we've got to humble themselves. Watch this, we put you first. A lot of times the older we get, we believe we have the right, so we put us first. We have the right to do that because we're older, we've been around the block longer, you know, and I'm wiser. No, 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 humility is putting you first. I'm gonna put you first and I'm gonna take your energy and your passion and your vision and your ideas Coupled, watch this, with my wisdom and my experiences of doing this, and we're gonna partner together and we're gonna change our cities. So for us to do that, we have to humble ourselves. And I know someday it's gonna come different than the way I wanna do church, but I'm gonna hand the mic off 
And they're going to stand here and they're going to lead the church in a whole different direction, a different way. But guess what? As long as Christ is being preached and Christ Jesus came and died and there are people being saved, you know, whatever it takes to reach the next generation, let's do it. And so that's a mental shift. That's a mind shift that we all have to make, especially when we start seeing the next generation raise up to change the world, which leads to my fifth, I'm sorry, my fourth point. I have, I have eight points, and I did it in less than 30 minutes. Y'all should, y'all should be proud. I'm telling you, it's, it's, here's my fourth one. Stop fighting, start funding. We gotta stop fighting this generation and start funding this generation. And if you wanna change the outcome of something, you gotta change the investment. What are you investing in? Where are you investing in? Because that's the reality. And here's the reality, is that 77% of people who come to faith in Christ come to faith in Christ before the age of 21. You may not understand it. Let's put a dollar bill behind it. If you can invest in this and make a 77% return, or you can invest in this, where are you gonna put your money? Well, if you're gonna do the best return you can, you're gonna invest where you get seven. Listen, if we're all about seeing people come to faith in Christ, reach the next generation, 77% of them will come to faith in Christ before the age of 21. How can we not fund that? How can we not be a part of that? And so we're gonna start fighting against them and fight for them and fund them and we're gonna do whatever it takes. And over the last 14 years, we have spent several hundred thousands, you could even say millions if you wanna include our facility. Every Wednesday nights, tons of high school students and middle school students right here at our facility worshiping Jesus. A third or more of our facility has been blocked out, dedicated just to our kids' ministry so that we have the best kids' ministry that we are able to do to pour into the next generation. We'll do whatever it takes to fund them. We're not gonna put them out somewhere and have to sell brownies and cookies to go on mission trips or stuff. We are going to fund that. We are the church. We will fund that. We will do whatever it takes for them to meet Jesus, experience Jesus, and follow Jesus. So we're not gonna fight against them. We're gonna fight for them, and we're gonna fund them to make that happen. And I'm so thankful that our church is so generous that we do that, that no matter what it takes, we're gonna make sure it happens to help reach the next generation. And let me tell you what, that starts with you. That starts with me. Which leads to my last and final point, is that we have to stop waiting and we gotta start walking towards them. We've gotta stop waiting for things to happen, for things to change, and we gotta start moving. We've got to start walking towards them. And it's really hit me this week. I've preached this over and over and over here at Bear Life Church. This is no surprise. But this week, it really, really just, it really hit me. I'm bumping around with a bunch of middle school, high school students, hundreds of them all over the place, all over the beach. And when you preach and you're living there on site with them, you get to hang out with them, do mission trips with them, you get to play sports with them, wreck with them, I get to preach. And so they're all coming to me and they want to share their story. Pastor Daniel, Pastor Daniel, Pastor Daniel, Pastor Daniel. And story after story after story after story were students who had no dad in their life. One kid's 18 years old. His dad died last year. 
He's got no family left. He's got some outside family, an aunt and an uncle, and he bounces around. He's 18. He's playing ball a couple weeks ago, and two college students who were interning at the church walk up to him and say, hey, man, I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes. Sure, man, what's up, what's up? And they walk through the plan of salvation with him through a bridge analogy, and he says, which side of the bridge would you be on? He said, man, well, I'm not on God's side, so I would be on this side. And he offered to give his life to the Lord, and he didn't give his life to the Lord on the spot. I love seeing college students so bold to go up to people and share the gospel and ask for a response. And so I said, hey, man, we're going to camp in a couple weeks. We'd love for you to come. And they said, he says, man, I can't afford that. I can't, I can't go. And I just started a new job. They're not going to let me off. And he said, I tell you what, we'll pay for you to go, $450 per camper. We'll pay for you to go. And we'll coach you on how to go to your employee. I'm sorry, your employer, and ask them how you can have that week off to go to camp. And so he gets off and he gets to come and he's never in his entire life ever been out of state of Kentucky. He lives in Corbin, just down the road, Tennessee, y'all. He's never been out of the state of Kentucky, never seen the ocean in his life, never seen a beach. Oh, how we take things for granted. Don't have anybody. And so he comes to camp and he's hanging out with a bunch of kids and, and the gospel's preached and he gives his life to the Lord. He sits behind us on the way back on a charter bus. And he begins to open up and share his story about his life and his childhood. And now how he met God this week and how God's radically changed his life. He said, I, I, I'm going home a different person. And it's never been, it, I've always said this, I've always shared this from the stage, but just hit me harder this week. Is that our students and our kids at all of our campuses, Ashland, Grayson, and Moorhead, need godly men to influence their life. This is not a slam to guys or dads. I'm not, that's whatsoever. And so I wanna give you this challenge is that every single one of us, let me speak to the men. I wanna encourage you. In fact, I wanna beg you that you will go sign up to serve in our kids' ministry or our student ministry. A lot of times in kids' ministry, you know this across all churches, you just have a lot of women, they're great teachers, they're in there and, and they're a little nicer. They smell better. They're not as scary. There's a few scary, but they're not as scary. And guys, sometimes we make excuses. Well, I'm not, I'm not emotional. Yeah, you are. I say you cry when your basketball team don't win and your sports team. Don't, don't say you're not emotional. Maybe when you sign up and just be, be part of the security team and just stand in the hallway and all you're gonna do with your badge on is high five kids when they come by and smile on them. Maybe just seeing you're excited that they're there, they need to see that. My son is 18, he's graduated from high school. He's actually the first graduate, he's the first kid to join our kids' ministry, the oldest at the time. When we started, there was only three or four of them. And now he graduated. For the last six years, he's served in kids' ministry. When he's a middle school high, and then high school, he serves in the kids' ministry area. This week, I got to see him share the gospel over and over and over in little kids at a VBS, back our Bible studies, while the moms were being talked to about Jesus and, their, and for them to understand it. And I'm so thankful that my son served in the kids' ministry. 
So he sees it. He could be a role model. So he stood up on stage the last night and shared with everybody about how serving and kids, here he thought he was making the impact on them. But the reality, kids was making the impact on him. And maybe you can't be consistent. You're a nurse or you're something. You're every weekend, every other weekend's fine. Maybe you can't do Sunday mornings, but what about Wednesday nights? We have tons of middle school and high school students. Just come. Be present. And I'm not slamming it, but I'm telling you what, we need a bunch of godly men who will step up and say, you know what, I'm gonna fight for the next generation. I'm gonna love them. I'm gonna encourage them. I'm not gonna criticize them because everyone needs a dad in their life. And unfortunately, a lot of students don't have that. They don't have it. And as a church, if we know that, we need to be that. We need to be all things to all people that they will come to come to faith in Christ. And so I'm gonna encourage you, would you please consider and pray hard about that? And if you're a light nighter, we have college ministry. It happens once a month. And they get out of here late on a Wednesday night, but guess what? It's okay. We're gonna have an opportunity for you and a place for you to find your gift and serve. I'm gonna close with this verse. It's probably the, one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible. It's found in Judges chapter two, verse 10. And it says, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not know the Lord or the things of God or the mighty works that he did for Israel. That's a very sad verse. Please, Better Life Church, come on. May that never be on us. May it never be that another generation behind us came up because we criticized them, we doubted them, we didn't believe in them, we fought against them, we talked about them, and we never walked towards them and said, come on, I'm gonna take your energy, your passion, let me mentor you, let me coach you, let me help you. What you have, with our wisdom, we can change our city, come on. Let us not be the church, let it not us be the generation that the generation behind us comes up, raise up and don't acknowledge the Lord. May God give us wisdom and discernment how to finish and handle and do that well. I'm gonna ask you what about your head. Two invitations. The first one, if you're here, you're here on purpose. If you're watching online, you're watching online on purpose. One of our campuses, God woke you up on purpose. And he brought you here for a reason to speak to you. And maybe for you, he's drawn you to himself and says, give your life to me. I created you. I picked you. I love you. I want a relationship with you. The Bible is very clear. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I beg you today, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never given your life to him, come on, today is the day for you to repent of your sin and put your faith and trust in him. Second invitation. We need you in our kids' ministry, our student ministry, our college ministry. 
because we're believing that God's going to open up the floodgates and he's going to send students and continue to send students and lives are going to be changed and we're going to continue to do whatever it takes to reach them. And it's going to take all of us. Especially if you're a guy and you feel like, you know what? I'm going to jump in. And maybe for you, you didn't have a dad. And you, you realize how important it would have been for you. You could be that for somebody else. And what you'll find out is that not only that you impacted them, but they'll impact you. And it will change you. And you'll be stepping into the purpose that God has for you. Father, thank you for your word. So relevant. God, forgive us for criticizing or doubting or judging or fighting for our preferences or but God that we would do whatever it takes to reach the next generation so that Lord that would be the generation that sparks an awakening a great revival and God may we see it may we just be a part of it may we just experience an outpouring of your spirit in our nation, in our world. May our generation get to see it. Like the older generations when revival broke out and hundreds and thousands and millions of people were saved. God, do it again. God, do it again. And do it with us. Start it here. Start it now. Start it with us. When we repent of our sin, live a holy life, reflect it upon you. God, move. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we ask and we pray.